Welcome to Journey South Bay. Thank you for inviting us in to listen to God's Word. Take a moment to get comfortable, sit back, and relax as we listen to today's message. Hi again. Uh, if you're able to, can you please stand with me? Today's scripture is from Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. God bless the reading of this word. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. Put this somewhere. It's great to see all of you. Um, you're probably sitting there like, why is he on stage? Like, I'm normally there, right? Um, I, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm also very nervous. Um, this week was kind of like the, the gamut of emotions. You know, and a couple days ago I had the freak out moment. I'm like, dude, you just need to stay in your lane. Like, go back and do music. We've been making jokes, but I want to thank all of you that have been praying for me, all the encouragement this morning. This is not my bag. Um, you know, leading worship, doing music is... Um, is kind of what my calling is, uh, but, but again, I'm privileged to be able to bring God's word to you this morning, so let's, let's pray. Lord, this is your time, and we continue to give it over to you. Lord, I continue to ask, would you have free reign here? Would you speak to us this morning as we look at this passage here in Luke 10, that you move on our hearts? Lord, help me to get out of the way, Lord, that you would be able to minister. Pray that your truth is spoken here this morning. So, Lord, we, we thank you for this opportunity we have to gather, to sing songs to you, to hear from your word, to fellowship with one another. Father, what a privilege we get to enjoy, Lord. And so, Father, we once again pray that you would be glorified here in this place. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, Luke 10. Previous to that, there's, there's a lot of things kind of going on. Uh, you know, if, if you go f- earlier into the, uh, the previous chapters, Jesus sends out the 72. We have the parable of the, uh, the Good Samaritan, um, all these other things. The Lord comes up and, you know, asks Jesus, like, how do I get eternal life? And so there's all these things. Jesus is on this teaching tour, right? He's sending people before him, and then he's entering into these these places, and, and, and he's teaching, right? He's a, he's a teacher, he's a rabbi. Um, and, and Luke kind of takes this moment to bring these two women to the forefront, right? And so we see from, from the scripture, Martha invites Jesus into her home, is, is what it says. She's, she's the host. How many of you have, have hosted people, right? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of pressure to that. You know, and, and, and some of it's like, I was thinking we, we had some we had some friends over uh, last Sunday. Actually, Dan Dan his his wife and his and his kids. 
they're, um, Dan's one of my best friends, and we, we had them over, like, talking about meal, and, you know, you have certain friends who are just kind of like, you know, I don't, have to, I don't have to clean that well, right? Like, they, they know us, you know, they're cool with our mess, right? And then you have, like, new friends that are coming over, you're, like, furiously, like, shoving things in the closet, getting things ready, you're, like, just to put off the facade, like, yes, our house is immaculate every single time, but if you have kids, you know that's not true, right? Um, greatest mystery in all the world in dealing with Ezekiel. In 10 minutes, he'll make a mess that takes us six hours to clean. I don't, I I still don't understand it. Um, So one of these days, I'm going to meet this genius of a person, physicist or whatever, and that's the question I'm going to ask him. Figure this out. And then, then, then I'm impressed. Right? So anyway, so, so Martha is hosting, right? Jesus is the guest of honor. We know that he's coming there to teach because that's what he does in the text. Um, we also know that she has a sister. Her name is Mary. And w- we see something's kind of going on. And, and, and I think Luke is bringing this, this to the forefront so that we, we start to make a comparison. Because he, he brings up the two of them, and there are v- vastly different areas of, of what's kind of going on and happening. And uh, one of the things I was thinking about, uh, it says Martha is busy. She's doing a lot of things. She's, she's playing the host. She's, she's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and then it says Mary goes and she sits at the feet of Jesus. And uh, I think it's interesting because they're, they're siblings. And I think about uh, my siblings. You know, we, we've hosted people in the past. or We have people over. And um, you, know, you know the communication that only family members kind of get, right? Where if they're not doing something right, it's that side eye. Or, you know, you accidentally bump into them, and you, know, you're like, you try to, like, you know, there's kind of like, we're like, I'm hoping no one else sees. And so, so I, I, with all this is going on, the, this is planned event, and, and, and Mary is chosen is to sit at Jesus' feet. Martha is furiously trying to get everything together. And I think it's, it's important to, to point out, there's no possible way that Mary has no idea about what's kind of going on, right? And, um, but so she chooses, she sits down at the feet of Jesus to listen to him teach. And the feet of, the feet of something, Mary puts her, herself there. She kind of, she, she takes time out and she sits. And, and we see this, this, this is significant in um, Acts 22, uh, verse 3. Uh, Paul talks about it, he's, he's, he's before the tr- uh, the, the tribune, the tribunal, and, and he's talking about himself, and he uh, refers to himself. He says, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Paul. He's, he says that um, he was educated at the feet of Gamaliel, right? This, this, this concept of, we're seeing discipleship, right? And so later on, Paul talks about being a Hebrew of Hebrews. He talks about being a Pharisee. He's part of the Sanhedrin. Now, this is the governing body of, of their, you know, they're making decisions that affect the spiritual, the social, the economic, like part of the, of, of, of the Jewish nation in Roman Palestine time. Right? And so these are very important people. And so Paul sits at his feet and he's, and he's taught. He's, he's a disciple. And so Immediately, the first thing we see about Mary, she's, she's displaying the posture of a disciple. 
being at the feet of Jesus. And I've, I've really been th- processing a lot of that this, this, this past couple weeks about being at the feet of Jesus. What is, what is the significance of that? Why is that important? And one of the things I want to um, touch on first, and pr- we'll call it our first point for this morning, is um, what, are, what, what keeps us from the feet of Jesus? Right? Because we're, we're going to focus on, on Mary because or Martha first. Because Mary's at the feet of Jesus. Martha is not there. Remember, Martha has invited Jesus in her home. Right? Part of being a host is what? Making, kind of making the rounds, getting everyone to talk and communicate with one another. And the, and the crazy thing about being a host, it can be as simple or as complicated as you want it to be. You know, we, like I said, we, we hosted Dan and his wife. Really simple, simple meal. And then maybe you've done some other events where it's like we have six courses or whatever it looks like. If, if you're that person, I don't have that skill. I admire that in other people. But it, it can kind of be as simple or as complicated as you want it to be. In verse 40, uh, it says, But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So first let me point this out. Serving is not a distraction. Serving is, is not a distraction. It's, it's actually it's a vital part of our, our Christian, Christian walk. You know when you take those health tests, and they talk about like physical activity, you know, all these things that you need to do in order to be healthy, I, I tend to think of serving as a physical activity of our spiritual walk, right? It's, 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 it's beneficial for us. We should be doing it. And I don't say that because, you know, I'm, I'm here on staff and I'm trying to get people there. It's, it's actually, this, this is a healthy part of our spiritual walk. But the key word here is much serving, right? Martha's, Martha's doing too much. Because serving Jesus shouldn't be so encompassing that, um, that, w- that we can't hear, that we can't learn from him. Right when it starts to take prominence and precedence, it starts to pull us away from those things, and that's when it becomes a distraction. You know? And so what's, what, what keeps us from the feet of Jesus? One of those things is a distraction. The threat to being with Jesus is distraction. So when does, when does serving become distraction? I think that's important. So if, if serving isn't bad, right, and it's actually a vital part of what we do, when does it move from healthy to unhealthy? And, and I think it's, it's, really, it's really subtle. It's really nuanced. It's, it's not like I clearly define a line. We can clearly define it. This is where it happens. This is when, it, um, this is when I go from healthy to unhealthy. Um, but we see in the text, in verse 41, when Jesus answers, he says, you are anxious and troubled about many things. So, so when does serving become distraction? When it leads us into anxiety. When it leads us into worry. It's on the web. Thanks, Siri. Um, <laughs> I she, she's been doing that a lot lately. Um, anxiety and worry. My, my wife always says that. She's, she's I'm a child of worry. Um, I grew up on an island you know, some of that stereotype of, of violence, everything's like easy going. Some of it's really true. Um, and the funny thing about my wife when we were just kind of dating, I remember I walked in, I'm like, hey, should I wear these like black shoes or like white shoes? 
She's like, oh, you can't wear those white shoes because, uh, and then you're gonna, people are going to think you're a thug. I look at the way you dress, and then you're going to get shot, and then you're like, I'm going to have to like, speak at your funeral. And I'm like, I, I was asking about the sh- like, color of my sh- shoes. You know, and, dude, I'm an island kid. I didn't, I didn't grow up here. You know, she's like, you're going to stay away from my car, and all these other places. And, um, but, but worry that state of anxiety over actual or potential problems, right? Like, ima- like imagine problems. That, that maybe have the possibility of coming true or not. I've, I haven't been shot yet, so, and I'm, I'm wearing white shoes this morning. So I, I think I'm good. Um, and, and I don't mean to make light of anxiety and, and worry. I know a lot of us deal with it. In, in fact, a lot of it is, is, is a natural response, right? That heightened sense of, um, of our senses. So like when things kind of go down... The, and, and we need to be able to react, right? And so um, it, it manifests itself like physically, right? We get um, anxiety. This, we, we have an increase in our, our, our heart rate. You know, like we might sweat. We're, we're hypervigilant. And those things aren't wrong or bad, but, but when it becomes unhealthy is when it's sustained over the long period of time. Then it starts to, then it starts to mess with our minds, you know, some of these anxiety disorders, PTSD, OCD, those kind of arise from there. And so, um, when do we move from serving, which is healthy and a distraction, is, is when those things become, they induce anxiety, they induce worry over a long, sustained period of time. What, why, is, why is distraction bad? We see here that Martha is distracted by much serving. She's frustrated. We, we, we see it in, in, in what she's saying to Jesus. Um, she's frustrated. And I think frustration leads us into self-centeredness. And then self-centeredness leads us into bitterness. So, so how, Eli, what does that mean? What, like, we're frustrated, right? We talked about this. We're hosting. I've got my family over. And we're all like, in agreement. We're going to do this together. And all of a sudden, my, my brother backs out. Right? Now I'm frustrated. You know, I'm elbowing him. I'm like, dude, come over here, man. Like, come, come and help me. I need, I need help. Right? And so then, then anxiety kicks in and worry, and then we start to stress out about these things. And then it leads us into self-centeredness. Because all of a sudden, now we're just focused on ourselves, Right? We, we, we adopt this mindset. Man, if I don't do it, no one else will do that. How many of I must have said that to ourselves, right? If I don't do it, no one else will do it. And this is where Martha is. And we think about it, it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous. She's, that's, it's, it's just not, it's not possible. You know, this is, this is an event, it's probably planned out. You know, we, when we tend to think of ourselves as, as the only one doing something, then we start to look at everyone else as doing nothing. And I've done it. I've done it in ministry. Uh, I've, I've, I've planned events with, with people from, from staff at, at our, our previous church, and, and I've had moments where, man, I, I, I'm, I'm worried and I'm anxious about trying to pull this thing off, and, and I start to kind of look around at other people. You know, and, and, and this, this isn't a specific example. I've um, been in a team with someone, and... Um, I, 
I'm constantly busy. I'm, you know, I love the church. I love doing like things for the church and for the Lord. Um, those things fill my cup. It's really easy for me to get um, overly busy. And, 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 I, and I've been in ministry and I've looked at someone and, and I've seen them start to pull other people in. Right? And they're like, they're recruiting people to come and help them. And, and I've, I've just been so lost in myself and I'm frustrated and I'm angry that I look at that and, and I've said, um, man, that person is lazy. They're making other people do their job. They need to like, they need to hold the line. They're not doing anything. They're making other people do that. And it's taken me years to kind of get past all that to realize, and I've seen the fruits of the labor of, of those people, because them recruiting people and getting, it's, it's not because they're lazy, it's because it's, it's their gifting, it's to, to, to call people to them and to get them involved. It's, it's, it's an area that I'm sorely lacking in. But because I'm so involved in myself and focused on the things I'm doing, I've wrongly mislabeled them as lazy. And in, in some ways, it's, it's ruined relationship. Right? Or I'm like, I don't really want to talk to that person about that because we are so involved in ourselves. Right? And so it's this self-centeredness. And that self-centeredness leads us into bitterness. Right? And we start to look at things through the wrong lens, the lens of, of I'm the person that has to do everything. No one else is doing nothing. Now we become bitter. And we, and we, see, I think we see some of that phrasing in, in, in Martha. And this is what she's, these are the things that she says to Jesus. First off, she says, do you not care? really passive-aggressive, right? She's, she's trying to make it Jesus' Jesus's problem. Do you not care? She's obviously upset, but it's like, Jesus, do you not care? If you don't know what passive-aggressive is, wait till you get married, right? <laughs> like, I've, I, I remember Amy, Amy, Amy told this like early on, she's like, I don't like people who are passive-aggressive. I'm like, Check mark, I'm good. Like, I'm not passive-aggressive, not in any way. And I don't think I was. And then I got married, I'm like, and I discovered, I'm like, wow. I'm like, I've learned to be super passive-aggressive. Um, so she goes from there, she says, do you not care? The next phrase she uses, she uses my sister. She doesn't even use her name. She depersonalizes her. And she says, left me alone to serve. Do you not care? My sister left me alone, to, left me to serve alone. Like I said, it's, that's grossly exaggerated. She's not alone. She's starting to be, there's this desperation to that. Again, because she's so distracted. She's doing too much. And then, and then she looks at Jesus and she says, tell her, again, she doesn't want to use her name, tell her to help me. She's demanding Jesus. She's dictating to Jesus, this is the way that you should help. This is what I need from you, Jesus. You tell her to help me. Have you been there? I've been there. Right? This, this self-centered attitude where I'm the one who's got to make all of this work. Right? And then we start dictating to the people around us 
what needs to be done. And I think a lot of this frustration is Mary's doing what Martha wanted to do. Remember, Martha invites him in. Like, Jesus is there for the, for the purpose of teaching. And, and Mary's sitting, and it's, it's, it's so ironic for me to think, think about. And so Martha is so dependent on herself. Right? This, this concept, like, I have to do it all. No one can do for me like myself. You know, she's convinced herself that she's alone. So now we have Martha. Let's, let's, let's look at Mary. We talked earlier about Mary's posture, right? The posture of a disciple sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's focused and she's determined. Remember, like, if, you know, I think about my siblings and the way that we interact. If we had an agreement, we're hosting people. Like, my, my brothers or my sister, if they weren't, if they weren't pulling, they weren't, they weren't towing the line, they would know. Other people probably wouldn't know. But, you know, like I said, we give them a side glance. This is one of the things I love about Samoan women. Whew, man, they're the, the best at, like, nonverbal communication of how angry I am at you. That's why I married a Korean. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's because of our, 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 our culture is so much, like, in body language. Uh, we don't have written language. It's, it's all oral, right? And so everything's read. Emmy used to be amazed by, like, the way that I would talk with, with my cousins from across the room. Like, I'd be here. He'd be on the other side of the room. And she's there, and you know, we make a couple facial expressions, a couple things with our hands, and she's like, What did Eric say? I was like, Oh, he said he's hungry. He asked me if I was hungry, and I was like, No, not really. He was like, Hey, let's go to the store because I want to get something. And she was like, What? Like, how did you over that? And, and this like nonverbal community. So, trust me when I say my brothers and my sister would know my displeasure that they're not pulling the line, they're not towing the line. Right, and so, and, and I think the same thing has happened. Mary is intimately aware that Martha is upset with her. There's no way that she, she doesn't know. And Mary was probably there early. She probably helped out. Things were already set. People were already brought in, you know, situated, you know, sitting down, table, and things like that. But Mary has switched her focus, right, from the things that are happening, the things that are already kind of done. She smoothed her focus from those things onto Jesus. She's sitting at his feet. She's focused. She's determined. She's in the zone. And, and what, what is... Mary shifted her focus. Like, what, what, what is she doing? She's, she's submitting. Right? She's, she's got these obligations to her family and all these other things, and she's, she's submitted. All that she is for all that he is. She's sitting and listening to him teach. So... To turn our focus on Jesus, we need to submit and surrender. We need to submit our will and, and sometimes even what other people want for us. We need to surrender. We surrender the plans for our lives or the plans that we've made. Remember we talked about this earlier, you know, when we adopted that, I'm the only one that can help myself. You know, we convince ourselves that we're alone. We're isolated. But we need to shift our focus. On to Jesus. You know, our point to what? So we're shifting focus. We're submit. We're surrender. You know, a lot of times in our culture, we don't we don't like to hear those words. They carry these this negative connotations. Submit and surrender. You know, it's like no, we got to fight. You know, kind of to the end. And, and, and a little later, we're going to talk about the significance of of submitting and surrendering. So if we've talked about 
what keeps us from the feet of Jesus? And we looked at Martha. Okay, so what, what keeps us at the feet of Jesus? What is, what is Mary doing? She's, she's submitted. And, and, and how is she able to submit? How is she able to surrender? First thing we know, she, Mary knew who Jesus was. Mary of Bethany is mentioned three times in the New Testament. Once here in Luke 10. Uh, and then again, we see it in uh, John, John 11 and John 12. Uh, in John 11, actually all three times she's at Jesus' feet. In, in John 11, um, it's right after Lazarus has died. Lazarus, Lazarus is her, Lazarus is her brother. He's passed away. And Jesus has come into the town. He was actually two miles out when he got news that Lazarus was sick. And comes out and he asks for Mary and says, Mary comes out and she puts herself at Jesus' feet. She throws herself at his feet. And she says, Jesus, if you were here, my brother would be alive. And then then the following chapter in 12, um, we hear the story of Mary takes this expensive perfume of, of nard and she breaks it and she anoints Jesus' feet. And it's really expensive. You know, like 300 denarii just like one year salary. You know, and she's, she's, even, she's even ridiculed by it. You know, one of the disciples says, like, what? I'm going to paraphrase. What a waste of money. That's what Jesus said. You know, that money could have been, that could have been sold and that money could have been used to, um, you know, for the poor. But Mary takes us and she breaks and she anoints the feet of Jesus. Again, she's at his feet. It's just that, that, she wipes his feet with her hair. So we see Mary has chosen Jesus to sit at his feet over familial obligations and cultural obligations. She's choosing Jesus over money and finances and even her own reputation. Jesus basically calls her a fool. Like it's a waste of your time and your money. How How is she able to do that? Like she's... All three times she's at Jesus' feet. How is she able to do this? Mary understood the value of Jesus' presence. She understood the value of being in his presence. I'm going to use my wife again. Um, some of you know this, but Amy and I, I think we, we met in 2006, and um, I was home in Samoa, which if you didn't know I was from Samoa, I'm from Samoa. It's, it's a 10-hour flight from here. It's the middle of nowhere. Um, and most people, when I say Samoa, think I say Somalia, and they think I'm some like pirate or something. Um, <laughs> and, and so I've, I've just gotten really common. So if you were like, wait, Eli, you told me you're like, you're from Hawaii. I tell people stateside that I'm from Hawaii. It's just easier. It's less of a, like half of you can explain like, no, Somalia, Samoa, you know, there's a huge difference. Um, and so we, we met there. In 2006, we, 2008, like I I called her for the first time. I just moved to Hawaii. It's like September 1st, it was her birthday. She's like, oh my gosh, you remember my birthday? I'm like, yeah, I did. (laughs) And um, totally coincidence. Um, I had to to be truthful a couple years later. Um, But but anyways, we, we we had a long distance relationship. Um, for about two years, I would say, and so, man, I was, I was on the phone with her all the time. I was, I was working on a boat. I was a first mate on a boat um, 
that went between uh, uh, Molokai and Maui. And um, I, would, I would get up at 3 in the morning, be down at the dock at 4, um, and you know, we start loading passengers um, and cargo at 5.15. And we make this run over to, um, over to Lahaina, it's in Maui. But uh, we would pass through what's called the washing machine. And you know, sometimes we get 20-foot seas in there. There's only one boat crazy enough to go across that channel because three of them are all converging in one place. That's the boat I worked on. Um, and I loved it. Loved every single minute of it. Every single day was different. Um, and the colors I would see on the water were just absolutely amazing. From sunrise and sunset, um, I... Dude, it's, it's so crazy to think about because um, now everyone has phones. We take pictures on our phones. But I remember I bought a special camera and it was like so impressed, like 12 megapixels. This is amazing. And I think now like the iPhone's at, I don't know, 100 or something ridiculous. Uh, but I remember having this camera and taking all these pictures and, and, um, and it'd, be, it'd be a full day. You know? And so we you know, get up at 3, be there at 4, loading passengers at 5.15, we do all of our runs, we do cargo in between, and then in the evening we go back and pick up the commuters in Maui and bring them back to Molokai and then we would, we would dock there. And um, I get out of the boat, um, it'd be probably about 9 o'clock, 9.30, sometimes 10, and um, you know, Hawaii is two hours um, behind, and so I, I would call Amy, you know, be down at the wharf, and for, uh, and everybody knew, when they couldn't find me if I wasn't at home, Signals really, I, I didn't have phone signal at home um, because we were up on the hill. And so the wharf is like the best place. It's kind of a local hangout. Everyone goes there and there's drag racing and all kinds of other stuff and fishing and um, just all kinds of stuff. But, you know, it, it became this long running joke of, um, oh, yeah, Eli's always between um, uh, pole like six and nine. They're, they're, along the wharf is this huge like street that goes out and there's just telephone poles along, along that. And so I was always kind of in between like six and nine, somewhere there. And so after a while, my friends knew, like, hey, if you can't find Eli, he's not, he's not in town, he's not home, he's down at the wharf, right? And so, and we would spend hours on the phone. 21 questions became 100 questions. And um, after a, a, a couple years of that, um, you, you could say I knew, we knew a lot about each other. And... I remember the first time I saw her after we did it. Again, I'd seen her before, right? And we met. And I remember the first time I saw her after this long-distance relationship. Like I said, I knew everything about her at that point. She knew everything about me. You know, things that we, we hadn't told anyone else. Um, you, know, you know, conversations about, like, dude, how many, you know, how many kids do you want? Like, what, what does parenting look like? Um, because after a while, you just kind of like, like the cool things like, oh, what's your favorite color? Like, you know, like, you know, just like the, the, the surface things, right? And you start to dig in and it's like, next thing you know, like, well, what happens if this, you know, running scenarios? And so we knew a lot about each other. But I remember the first time she came to Hawaii and I got to see her. Um, after we, again, officially been dating, having a conversation about, will you be my girlfriend? Um, which is weird over the phone, by the way. Um, but man, there was everything I knew about her. Like if someone come up and start talking about somebody, I had no idea, like probably within, in a minute, I'm like, that's Amy. 
I, I know who you're talking about. Because I know anything about. But there was nothing like being in her presence. I, I remember like planning out with my friends, spending weeks. You know, like, okay, we're going to go to this beach. What are you going to do? I'm like, I was a little girl when you got. We're like, we went out and we, um, we set trap for Ridgeback lobster, these giant slipper lobster. You know, it's, it's kind of hazardous to your health to go out and get them. They're, they're really hard to get. There's not very many people to do it, but it's, you know, dangerous. I remember like, well, we're going to do this and we're, we're going to cook this on the beach. We had all these plans, but, um, and I remember picking up from the airport and all the plans that I had just kind of, none of them came to fruition because it was just like, I just want to be here with you in this moment and spend time with you. Man, it's like, had all this knowledge about her, but man, just being in her presence was absolutely amazing. And, and Mary understands the value of Jesus' presence. More than the teaching and learning from him, she wants to be in his presence. She understands the value of it. You know, do we understand the value of Jesus' presence? You know, it's really easy. I was kind of thinking, like, oh, you know, you're like, great whoop, like, Jesus, make Jesus a priority, be in Jesus' presence. You know, I grew up in the church, guys. I've heard that message a thousand times. Um, and while those things are true and they're great, that's not where it stops here. That's not where, that's where Jesus stops. In verse 42, Jesus says this, Mary has chosen the good portion. So yes, we value the, the presence of Jesus, but look at what we get. It says we get the good portion. Jesus is the good portion. What, is, what does that mean? It's, it's kind of like, uh, have you ever done this at a restaurant? Right, you're like looking at the menu, and you know you spend your time. You're kind of you look at pictures, the ingredients. Maybe you ask a couple questions, and um, and then you order, right? And so, and it goes in the back, and you're kind of waiting, and you're like you're really excited about your food, you know, because you spent time thinking about it, right? Because it wasn't just like ah, I just randomly get. Because like I'm hungry for something specific. I'm gonna get this, and and you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, just out of like the back door, it's like they open, and like. Angels start singing, and you see, like, you see something on a platter. It's not even close to what you ordered, though, right? But it's like something you're like, what, wait, what, what's that? Like, I want, I want that. Like, all of a sudden, we spend all this time deciding, and we see something else. And it's um, Amy and my sister-in-law and Easy Come. We went to this restaurant in L.A. It's called Bestia. They have great food. Um, and it's a little bougie. You can bring your own wine. I, again, I didn't grow up here. I grew up on an island, like, in the jungle. So... Um, it, you know, those are kind of new experiences for me, but I remember we're, we're eating and the food is, man, the food is phenomenal. It's, it's great. Ezekiel, I, man, I'm the, my childhood self cried to think of like, man, we're like, he's getting to experience this. Um, and I remember sitting there and, um, the table next to us, this, um, it was like a, a rib, rib plate that came out. And I just remember like you could smell it before, like you saw it. And it was like you could hear it it's sizzling, like on this like cast iron thing. And they bring it out. I remember seeing, and again, like we're eating, we're all like, dude, this food is phenomenal. We're like super excited. And you just kind of like you hear this like crack on the sizzle. And you kind of look over, you're like, dude, what, what is, what is that? And you should like, you start to like whispering, you call like call the waiter, like, hey, what, what is that? They're like, oh, that's this, this rib plate. And I remember thinking, I'm like, dude, I, I gotta get that. And then you like check the menu, and it's like a thousand dollars, right? And you're like. <sighs> Man, I yeah, like I, I want that, but I'm not. I'm, not, I'm an island kid. I'm not going to spend a thousand dollars on food. Um, 
And, um, but but I, I, I still think about, like right now I'm like salivating to think about it. Like it it's so ingrained in my mind. And um, like, and I can imagine, like, man, I can imagine like what that would probably taste like. Right? And, um, what can I say? I like food. If you're sitting there and you're like, really? I didn't know you like food. <laughs> you might need to get your eyes checked. Okay? So, um, but they're in the restaurant and it's, I remember imagining, and that, that's what Jesus is. There's, there's no imagining. Jesus is that good portion. Right? And so and that's what we get of being in his presence. We get Jesus himself. You know, it's, Jesus is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. This is what the Word of God tells us. He loves you. It says that the mention of his name, that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. It says that in him all things consist. That he was there at the founding of the world. He gave his life for you. This is our good portion. It belongs to us. When we're in His presence, we get to experience that. That's what we're setting our focus on. The good portion. That's what we're submitting to. Or that's who we're submitting to. That's who we're surrendering to. King of kings. Lord of lords. In Hebrews, it talks about that who for the joy, he's the author and the finisher of faith, who for the joy set before him endure the cross. You're that joy. Jesus has joy in you. He loves you. Right? This is our good portion. This is who Jesus is. These are things, this is who we set our focus on. In his presence, there's no worry, there's no anxiety. Right? Because we're not focused on ourselves and trusting in ourselves and our own and ability because we can't control it. We're actually putting our trust in Jesus, the one who controls all things. Right? So in his presence, there's no worry, there's no anxiety. Right? This is our good portion. This is who we get. And he loves you. In Psalm 16, uh, really quickly, it says, uh, Preserve me, O Lord, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. I have no good apart from you. And you skip down into verse 5. It says, The Lord is my portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwell secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the paths of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Jesus is your good portion. This is who you get to focus on. This is the person that you get to put yourself at his feet. And he loves you. He loves you right now. Maybe you're thinking, well, Eli, like, when I get my sins together, when I get all my things together, you know, I have to get ready for, for that. No, Jesus loves you right now. The person you are right now, the person you were, the person you are, the person you'll be in the future. King of kings, Lord of lords, our good portion, he loves you. 
He finds joy in you. And here's a promise. I think, and, and, and this is what's so amazing about it. we. We have the good portion. Where you think about, you know, or, or things that could be taken away, right? We, we accumulate all these things in our house. and Sometimes we have worry and anxiety because like, dude, someone could be breaking our house and taking all of my things. And Jesus says this, marriage has chosen the good portion. If you've chosen the good portion, it will not be taken away from you. It says, which will not be taken away from her. If Jesus is your good portion, it will not be taken, he will not be taken away from you. So once you grasp, once you've moved your focus onto him, once you've sat at his feet and you've taken Jesus on as your good portion, you never lose it. Jesus will not be taken away from you. Paul writes this in closing in Romans 8:34 through 39. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine? or nakedness, or danger of sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of, of God in Christ Jesus. Are you valuing your time with, with Jesus? He, he just wants you to be in His presence. You acknowledge like, Jesus, you are my good portion. Man, that, and that promise, He won't ever be taken away from you. Because nothing in all creation will take Jesus away from you. That is, that is our gift that's what it means when Jesus is our good portion. It, 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 man, it, it boggles my mind to think about. And so, this morning, if, if you've been serving too much, you've got too many things going, you've been maybe a little too busy, you know, Jesus doesn't condemn you. He doesn't condemn Martha or rebuke her. He just simply points out, your focus is in the wrong place. And so, guys, I've, this has broken me all week to think about, um, about being busy and so busy that I've kind of lost sight of the main point. You know, and, and, I, and I've been sitting and teaching. I've been doing things for the kingdom of the Lord, all great things. But I've lost sight of the value of being in, in, in Jesus' presence. And so... Wherever you're at this morning, simple re- refocusing, simple submit and surrender. And again, who are we submitting surrender to? King of kings and Lord of lords. The one who controls all things. And that's what we get. And so, I want to encourage you. you know, as, as, as Dan comes up, as we close in worship, if, if you're sitting there, And you feel even, even a little bit of a tug, or, or, or so like something in that resonates with you. It's not because I'm a great speaker. We can all attest that I'm not. Like this is not my bag. It's Jesus talking to you. We, we did this assessment test with our, our um, ministry team on Monday, and it was about burnout. 
and, and a couple of comments that I got from my table were like, well, this is what it says. It says I'm like, like close to burnout, but I don't feel that. You know, sometimes those things are, like I said, they're so subtle. They kind of creep on us. They creep up on us. So right now, even if you feel a little bit like any of this resonates with you, I'm going to encourage you, I, th- I think that's the Lord speaking to you. And it's a simple ref- refocusing of our attention. And, and we can spend some time, we'll, we'll, the prayer team will come up, spend some time in prayer, take that with you this week. I want to encourage you, find some moments. Building of God's kingdom is great, but you can't do it if you're not spending time in His presence. So I want to encourage you, whether it's this morning or another time this week, just find time. Just sit with the Lord. Jesus wants to speak to you. It's not about being like, I've got to do all these other things for you. Again, those things are great, but Jesus really just wants to spend time with you. Let's pray. Lord, we are humbled, Lord, that you would call each of us to be your sons and your daughters. Or that you would love us and you would care about us. We thank you that your burden is light and your yoke is easy. And this morning, Jesus, we fix our attention, our eyes on you. Would you minister to our hearts? We thank you for your word. So, Father, continue to move, continue to speak to us today and through the week. It's your name we pray. Amen. If you enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to the RSS podcast feed. This will let you know when a new message has been posted. You can also look for us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram at Journey South Bay. Until next time, God bless.